Welcome to another episode of Wake Up with Natasha. I am your host, Natasha Mack, and I am a psychic medium, a spiritual mentor, and an Akashic Record reader. And in this episode, um, I actually, I actually uh, recorded this episode yesterday, <laughs> and I saved this part for today. So you're going to be able to see a difference in my energy, my tone. Sorry, you're going to be able to hear the difference. Um, I really wanted to focus yesterday on just the content and sharing the vul- the vulnerable and raw information that I shared. Um, so yeah, this, this moment um, that I'm recording, I'm in a different energy. Um, I'm in a different space. It's a different day and I'm feeling really good. And I'm really excited for you guys to hear just to hear my story, to hear the journey that I've been on, and for you to be able to see where I am today and the difference there because I well you're gonna hear <laughs> you're gonna hear what I've what I've gone through. Um, I tried to fit as much as I could in this episode, but there's of course so many th- other things that I could have added that I didn't that just didn't come through naturally. Um, for those of you who've been listening to my episodes since the beginning, you know that I just kind of go with the flow. Like I don't pre-plan content. I want it to come through as naturally as possible and to just flow. So maybe, you know, there'll be other opportunities with other episodes where I share more, um, or go, go more in depth with some of the information that I shared in this episode. But for now, what came through, I really do feel was was meant to come through. Um, something that I realized that I didn't mention was just the anxiety and depression aspect of my journey. And that was probably the the biggest um, the biggest thing that, um, influenced me, I guess. Um, like anxiety and depression was severe for me throughout my childhood and teen years. And even up until my awakening, I was still struggling with anxiety and depression. So that is something that was a very um, strong theme in my life that I did go through. Um, you know, I can vividly remember experiencing horrific anxiety attacks um, in school or even at home, wherever, out in public, um, you know, where I was actually hyperventilating. I felt like I was going to pass out. Eventually, I learned how some of my anxiety attacks were more internal. Um, And I know that a lot of people don't realize they have anxiety because they don't have the external anxiety. Um, The internal anxiety is like an inner panic. Like you seem fine on the outside, but on the inside, there's alarm bells going off. Um, Your mind's racing a million miles per minute. 
you may be more like irritable and, um, you know, you're having like shorter breaths. I actually don't know why I'm sharing this right now, but it's probably just supposed to come out this way. Anyways, and then depression, well, there's been times where my depression was so bad that I actually had physical symptoms and, you know, couldn't get out of bed, um, was super unmotivated. I remember being 11, going to the doctor's office and the doctor not knowing how to help me because there were no antidepressants that you can give to an 11-year-old. Um, eventually, at the age of 13, I was put on antidepressants, but they did not react with me well whatsoever. Um, so I stopped taking them. Since then, I have tried different medications. Unfortunately, none of them ever worked for me because I'm so highly sensitive to what goes into my body. And that's just something I needed to accept. Um, it was a difficult thing for me to accept. And there's been many times where I wanted to try to, um, you know, go on some sort of medication, but I know that it's just not for me. And this doesn't mean that I'm against medication or that I'm going to, you know, like, or that I speak badly of it. I believe that what works for some may not work for others and what works for some is medication and there's nothing wrong with that. So I just wanted to make that clear. That is just something that wasn't for me and that's okay. So that meant that I needed to learn to cope with my anxiety and depression in other ways. It really forced me to go deeper within myself and and go down to the root and you know, learn tools to help myself cope. And that's why I have so many tools now. And that's why I'm able to share these tools with, with people and I'm able to share what worked for me. Okay. So, um, I just kind of wanted to get all of that out before we get into everything that I recorded previously. Um, so I think that uh, we'll go ahead and get into it. And I just want to thank you in advance for being here, for listening to my story. And I hope you have some tissues with you just in case. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just so grateful. So let's go ahead and get started. When I was 16 years old, I can vividly remember sitting in the library at my high school and I remember just feeling so defeated and like I couldn't take it anymore. Um, I had been holding inside of me a deep dark secret that was eating away at me since I was a little girl. And this was a deep, dark secret that I was not allowed to share with anyone. But in this moment, I, I knew that it was time. And it's like something inside me 
forced the words out of my mouth. I was with my high school secretary, and I remember crying and just opening up with her because I felt very safe with her. And that's when it happened. That's when I finally shared with her that I had been sexually abused within my home as a child. And I did it without realizing that there could be consequences. In my mind, I just needed to open up and to release. And again, she was someone who was safe for me. And as it turned out, (laughs) and it makes sense now, but at the time, um, I was so panicked when I learned that she had no choice but to share um, the information I just gave her. She had to she had to tell the principal. <laughs> they had to call um, children's aid. Um, yeah, and then they had to get the police involved. So it was kind of like a domino effect, and it definitely felt in that moment that my whole life was falling apart because I was doing, sorry, I wasn't even doing okay. I was going to say I was doing okay getting by, but honestly, I think it was just, I, I was surviving, right? And I've spoken about survival and, you know, surviving through life um, before in previous episodes. And I meant it when I said that I lived most of my life simply surviving. I truly, truly meant that. And so, like I said, this was kind of a catalyst for me. This specific moment, me at 16 years old, opening up about the truth of my past and what had been eating at me throughout my childhood and teenage years. And I remember being in such a panic because I knew what this meant. I knew this meant that, you know, someone that I truly cared about was going to be getting into trouble. I knew that this meant change was occurring. I knew this meant that maybe I wasn't safe anymore. I I was terrified of what would come of this. And And so I had to share the story, a story I kept inside for a decade, (laughs) not not even a decade, I guess, but I guess it had been a decade since everything had had started. So um, yeah, I guess I could say that. But anyways, I... I had to finally share what had happened. And I had never actually said it. Like I never had shared the details. Um, So much of what had happened to me as a child wasn't even clear to me yet. Yet I was expected to open up and talk about it. And I had no choice now. You know, I I opened up a little bit and now I needed to let it all out. And I was not 
ready to do that. And so I had to share it to the very nice um, CAS lady, which was, you know, the child protective services lady. And then I was brought um, to the police station where I was then um, put inside of a room with a man. Okay. (laughs) Just me and this man. Um, and it was, I, I can barely remember it because I had been disassociating with my body this entire time. So my memory is still very foggy, but I can remember that the room was dark. Um, not that there wasn't any light, but I just mean it was so hard to explain. Um, anyways, so it was just me and him and he gave me a brief explanation before they started recording of what to expect, um, what kind of questions he was going to ask me. He said to like if I was going to be talking about any of my body parts to use proper terms for them. Um, Yeah. And then they started recording and this no longer felt like I was a victim. I suddenly felt like I was being interrogated and kind of ripped apart. And I truly believe that the way they went about that was so traumatic for me, like further traumatizing for me. Um, Yeah. But anyways, I did what I needed to do. I was not mentally, emotionally capable of sharing every detail with this um, stranger, (laughs) with a man that I didn't know that I wasn't comfortable with. Um, You know, me being extremely triggered in in this whole situation in the first place. um, I know that I didn't do my best to do that. Um, You know, to do what I needed to do. And Unfortunately, nothing was done about it, um, about what had happened to me. There was no further investigating, um, nothing. My abuser wasn't even, um, brought in, you know, for questioning, absolutely nothing. And so I remember after that, I hadn't even eaten that entire day, by the way. I hadn't eaten. Um, I needed water. I remember just feeling so out of my body, just so out of my body. And um, I was brought home. Sorry, not even home. (laughs) I was brought to my eldest sister's home um, because that was going to be my place to live. I was not allowed to stay within my home anymore. Um, 
And yeah, that's, wow, I'm having a really hard time. Okay, so like I was saying, um, I was told I was not allowed to live in my home anymore because that is where my abuser lived. And um, so I was 16 years old and needed to be on my own. So um, thankfully, I had my oldest sister and um, I was brought there. They explained to her what would be happening. And of course, um, she welcomed me in with open arms, which I'm very grateful for. Um, and then we had to drive over to my place, um, before, um, my abuser came home from work and I grabbed all my things in a garbage bag and, and that was it. Then I, um, I lived at my sister's place and whew, <laughs> as you can imagine, this brought up a lot of feelings of unworthiness due to the fact that there was um, nothing done for me. Um, I had a lot of people disown me and um, speak very ill of me <laughs> within the family. And I felt very, very unsupported um, from a lot of people and from the system, honestly, the system in general. Um, clearly, if you're listening to this, you're going to think, wow, um, something's wrong. <laughs> what's going on, but keep in mind, this was 12 years ago, sorry, going on 13 years ago now that this happened. So, um, changes have been made within the system, thankfully to protect young people. I'm not saying it's perfect though. There's still so many things that need to be done to protect, um, our kids and teens. Okay. Um, because I was 16, I was, I was literally told nothing could be done for me because I was 16 years old. Okay. <laughs> so I was still a child, um, in my eyes anyways. So like I was saying, that brought up a lot for me. Um, and I, I truly believed that I was just unworthy of so many things. I'm sure you can imagine the list of things that I felt unworthy of and just unworthy in general. Um, and so I, I spent the rest of my teen years looking for love in all the wrong places. I was constantly nitpicking at myself for the way I looked for my size. Um, the way I ate was horrible. Um, I did suffer with a few eating disorders um, where I would either starve myself or I would binge eat. And that was um, a coping tool for me for many years. I mean, even before that situation happened, 
um, food was a problem. Food was an addiction, um, but also a way of kind of punishing myself because, you know, I didn't love myself. And again, I didn't feel worthy. Um, so there was that. And I've shared before on a post about how I also suffered with body dysmorphia on and off. And if that's a term that you're not familiar with, I welcome you to Google that. Um, I think it's really good to just be aware of these things because a lot of people have this and it's not really spoken about. But for me, um, in my early 20s especially, I feel like that's when it really kicked in for me where I would look at myself in the mirror and I would actually see a monster. I would see someone who just looked terrifying. Um, And that's what I truly believed I looked like. And so whenever I was out in public, um, especially like if I didn't dress a certain way, if I didn't make sure my hair was done, if I didn't make sure my makeup was done, I if I saw someone looking at me in my brain, my inner voice told me that they were nitpicking at me, they were judging me, they were able to see the monster that I saw. Um, I would actually start to sweat and panic if I saw someone looking at me. I it, it wasn't even about like the thought never crossed my mind that someone could have been just admiring me. And that breaks my heart. I knew I would need to stop recording a bunch of times for this episode, but I didn't realize just how many times or just how difficult this would be for me. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to be kind of open <laughs> and and real with you guys about how um, difficult this is for me, and you know, just some insights on on what it what it looks like behind the scenes right now. Anyways, so as I was saying, the thought never occurred to me that someone could have possibly been admiring me, or. I don't know, just attracted to me or um, whatever. That didn't cross my mind because I was not in a place to receive anything like that. Um, In my mind, like what my inner voice constantly fed me was that I was worthless. I was hideous. I was fat. You know, like to me, then fat was a terrible thing, even though I, I love women of all shapes, anyone, I love people in general of all shapes and sizes. And I grew up just admiring people who, who were all shapes and sizes and who just owned that and who had that confidence And, um, it's just something I couldn't find within myself. And so even though I was at a healthy weight in my mind, I didn't see that. 
And that's what the body dysmorphia also does is you could be so thin and in your brain, you won't be able to see that or accept that. Um, yeah. Anyways, so that that was, you know, my struggles with body image and just self-image and there was no self-love ever to be found, that's for sure. But that that had so much to do with that inner voice. And that inner voice is developed from childhood, from your experiences, from your parents, from your teachers, and just your environment. And so there were so many things that I was exposed to that created such an awful and cruel inner voice. And, you know, this is why, this is why I am so profoundly passionate about helping people in, in the way that I do with helping them recognize their soul's voice because getting in touch with your soul's voice is so liberating, okay? But it's a practice. I'll tell you that. It is a practice, especially when you go from having the inner voice that I had for so many years to to going into using your soul's voice and and listening to that and recognizing it and enhancing it and allowing it to lead you and empower you and believing that that is your truth, okay? Because that other voice that I had living inside of me, telling me lies, telling me I was worthless, telling me I was disgusting, telling me that I should starve myself, overfeed myself to the point that I could blow up or harm myself, physically harm myself, which is another thing that I did. And now I have scars for the rest of my life, which I'm still learning to accept. Um, Yeah, that inner voice convinced me to do things like that, okay, to harm myself, to be in situations that were so terrifying. I, I, (laughs) there was so many times, too many to count on my two hands, where I have put myself in situations that were dangerous, with people who were dangerous. I've been inside vehicles with men, you know, a decade older than me who were drunk and driving me. I've, I've gone to parties where I ended up sleeping outside in the middle of nowhere in just the clothes that I had on. I've yeah, I went through my fair share of of being what's that word? Promis- 
promiscuous or, you know, like I said earlier, looking for love in all the wrong places, looking to just feel a little bit of being wanted and desired because I didn't know what love even was. I didn't know what that meant or what it felt like or I didn't know what it meant to even love myself enough, respect myself enough. And so I found myself in these horrific situations and yeah, I um I often had that voice inside my head saying see, like saying, sorry, not seeing, <laughs> saying like see life is not worth living. So why do you keep trying? Why do you keep trying? This is how it's always going to be. It's always going to be this way. And the names, oh my God, the names that this inner voice would call me were so cruel. But I know that that was all a part of my path. And they don't lie when they tell you that the life of a healer is an extremely difficult one because the life of a healer means that you go through it first so that you can lead the way for others. And that is the truth. And that was my path. I had to go through many things. I had to experience many things. I had to feel many different emotions and like sit in those emotions so that I know how to help people on a deep, deep level, like the deepest level, because I've been there. I've been to hell and back. I've collapsed on my knees praying to God to please help me, to please shut this inner voice up because I could not live with it. And I know that there's so many people today who still have this inner voice that is a lie, that tells you lies. It, it you know, puts these awful thoughts in your mind. And I just, I, my biggest wish for the whole world, for everyone living on this planet, is for them to exercise the right to discover and then live in their truth and being led by their soul's voice because that is freedom and empowerment. And it's not always butterflies and rainbows, I promise you. <laughs> My life today is not butterflies and rainbow. Uh, sorry, butterflies and rainbows all the time. I still have to constantly work on myself. Look at what I'm talking about right now. Do you think this is comfortable? <laughs> Do you think this is easy? Because it's not. It is so hard for me to go back to those images and those experiences and those feelings, but I know that I need to because I know that I'm meant to share this for a reason. And Last week, um, 
it just, it came to me that I needed to, to talk about some of my struggles with mental illness. And I shared it in my Instagram stories, asking what your thoughts were, (laughs) my amazing listeners, what your thoughts were about me sharing this. And the response that I received were, or sorry, was um, overwhelming, but like in a beautiful way. Just how many people needed to hear this and um, to know that they're not alone because this is, this has become a normal to to be trapped by our own minds. My mind used to be my own worst enemy. It it really was. Um, Sleeping, (laughs) sleeping was so difficult. Um, I'm not as afraid of the dark now, but it was um, definitely a huge, huge fear of mine my whole life Um, because when I was in the dark and that inner voice would come through and those thoughts would start coming through, those images in my mind would start coming through and yeah, it's like the the nighttime was the worst. So I would actually fall asleep with the TV on, usually something funny. It had to be something funny. Could never be anything um, scary or sad (laughs) because um, I knew, just like intuitively, I knew that I needed to watch something that would help lift me, help raise me up. And I didn't understand that then, but now I understand that's my way of raising my vibration. Um, So I would always put it on something that was familiar and something that was funny, something that was very like lighthearted. And that's how I would fall asleep. But for me to just lay in bed and fall asleep on my own, no way. No way. I couldn't. And now I realize that so many of those things that I was so afraid to acknowledge within myself were actually coming to the surface to be acknowledged. They were coming up so that I could have a look at them so they could be released. But I was too afraid. And that is another thing that so many people do. They're too afraid to listen to what's inside of them or to acknowledge what's coming up for them because it's so uncomfortable and it can be so scary. And so we distract ourselves. We do things to get away from our own selves. We numb ourselves, which is another thing I did often. I numbed myself with whatever I could. Thankfully, I never got into hard drugs. I'm so grateful for that, but I know that I know that things would not have um, ended. Sorry, no. I know that things would have ended. I know that my life would have ended if I would have gotten into hard drugs because that path 
would have taken me down a very, very scary, um, it would have taken me to a scary place. So my way of numbing myself was with food, um, you know, cigarettes and pills, um, and alcohol, I suppose. Um, but yeah, continuing on the topic of <laughs> what I was saying, I kind of felt like I was channeling for a bit cause I was talking so fast, but, um, so many of us are so afraid of spending time with ourselves, even though that's the key, <laughs> that's the key to discovering your, your truth, your, your soul's voice rather than that inner critic, that ego right? Um, when you, when you spend time with yourself and you acknowledge what's coming up and then you, you go deeper with it. Okay. Like, where's this coming from? What is, what is the root of this? Like, that's how you begin freeing yourself. It is a practice. It is like going to the gym and strengthening a muscle. It's uncomfortable. It's not fun. (laughs) But it is a practice. And the more you do it, so the more you spend time with yourself and you start to really acknowledge and be mindful of your thoughts, of that inner voice, of your emotions, be mindful of all of it. Everything coming up for you has a purpose. Look at it. Face it. You are strong enough. If you're strong enough to continue to live daily, every single day making the choice, okay, today today I'm staying here, today I'm living, I'm doing this, despite having that voice inside your mind like I had, then you already are strong enough and brave enough and courageous enough. And it's important that when you are practicing this, that you are reminding yourself that you're safe, right? Don't don't get lost in it. You need to look around and see, okay, in this moment, I am safe. Nothing bad is happening. I'm no longer a child who's vulnerable and helpless, right? Or I'm I'm no longer experiencing trauma in this moment. Whatever it may be, whatever your circumstances were, whatever your trauma was, you are not in it in this moment. And that's what you need to remind yourself. And if it gets too overwhelming, stop. Reconnect with your heart. Breathe. Go outside if you can to ground yourself. Do something familiar. Go see someone familiar. Um, like if if they're with you or whatever it may be, do something that's just going to help bring you back to the present moment, okay? But it's so normal for you to to cry, to experience some, some anxiety about this because you're, you're actually having a a reaction, 
you know, your, your body is reacting to what's coming up to the upheaval and you're releasing and, um, breathing through all of that is mega important. I had to get to know myself all over again when I chose this journey for myself. Um, once I had my first awakening, that's when I started actually going inward and acknowledging what was there and becoming more mindful of what was happening within myself because I knew, okay, this is this is what I need to do in order to do this work. Um, you know, I needed to experience growth and overcoming and empowerment and that that is how I got to where I am today by doing the inner work and I'm not special I'm not I I am just like everyone else I'm, you know, yeah, okay. I may be <laughs> a psychic medium and um, have have all these abilities, but that doesn't make me lucky or special. It doesn't mean that I am am more capable than anyone else. And I know that everyone else has the ability to get to know themselves and to do the inner work and to experience growth on a mental, emotional, physical level. Um, you know, it's, it is possible. It's possible to change your inner dialogue. It's possible to rewrite those stories. And that's why, <laughs> that's why I wrote my um, Go Heal Yourself I said, go heal yourself, by the way, (laughs) workbook, Um, because inner child healing is so important. And in the book, um, I've shared just so many different exercises on how to tune in, how to connect with your inner child, how to... um, how to empower them, how to give them what they need. That is all a part of the process. You need to begin with the child within you who is feeling lost and unsafe and unsupported. And like they're the ones feeling that lack. And normally when we're trying to fill a void, it's because we're we're filling an empty space where love should be. That's what that is. When you're trying to fill a void, you're, it's an empty space where love should be. And not only that, but when you're trying to numb yourself, you're trying to quiet that inner child who's begging for attention, who's begging for love, who's begging for acknowledgement. So if you are someone who's looking to do some deep inner work, some deep healing, and to help yourself overcome limits and blocks, and you don't know where to start, 
start with your inner child because that is where you will discover so much about yourself (laughs) and so much about why you are the way you are, um, who you are as an adult, and why certain things are so hard for you and why you have anxiety about certain things or why you get depressed around certain time of year. It all has meaning, but it doesn't have to control you and it doesn't have to, sorry, you don't have to be a prisoner of it. Like I said, it's uncomfortable work, but if this, is a, if this is something that you don't feel like you can do on your own, there are people out there who can help you with it. And it'll be so worth it and it'll change your life. I personally was a prisoner of my um, trauma. You know, like I I was a victim for many years and I had a victim mindset for many years. And all of those are signs of needing inner child healing. Um, I'm so grateful that there was a time where I was finally ready to um, make an appointment with a psychologist and it was <laughs> that was another um like pivotal moment for me on my journey kind of the beginning actually um which i also share in my inner child healing um workbook i share about how um he was the one who spoke about little natasha and how she still very much existed within me And he had shared with me um, how I could visualize her or even look at pictures, you know, look at pictures from your childhood and and use that as a way to help you connect with them. Um, Something that I can share with you all that you can do is you can write a letter to your younger self. Um, I feel like I'm jumping all over the place. I'm sorry for that. I feel very ungrounded um, because normally talking about my trauma or my past experiences, um, I still tend to disassociate from my body, but I am working through that. Um, Anyways, I was saying, (laughs) yes, so you can write a letter to your younger self Um, telling them everything that they need to hear and, you know, take, take the opportunity to be who you needed, basically. Um, you can also work with your inner child through visualization, spending time with them, holding them, um, you know, telling them you love them. And allowing them to share uh, messages with you that you are needing to hear. Because like I said earlier, um, connecting with them and doing that inner child healing work can really help you get down to the root of so many things in your life. Um, 
I've spoken before about how important past life healing is also (laughs) Um, because a lot of our trauma from past lives could come into our current lives also. So this is why um, for my awakening calls and my energy scans, I focus on both. And I feel like this is so powerful. And this is what makes the work that I do so powerful for my clients because I am putting the two together. So if you ever have the opportunity to do both, um, you know, to do some inner child healing, to do some past life healing, um, I highly, highly recommend it. But if you are new to all of this, which some of you are, I highly recommend just beginning with the inner child healing. And, you know, there are some books. Um, there are lots of books out there on this subject. Um, a lot of people call it reparenting. Um, I don't use that term often, but that is another part of it, you know, reparenting yourself the way that you needed to be parented. So setting boundaries, um, having yourself do things that you know are necessary, like getting yourself to eat or saying, okay, that's enough now, or, you know, making yourself go to bed so that you get proper rest, going outside to get some fresh air, you know, taking care of yourself, loving yourself. That's, um, that's what reparenting is all about. So if you can find books on that, that'll be really empowering for you. Um, but even just beginning the way that I said, you know, you don't need anything outside of yourself if that is too much for you right now. Even just spending time with yourself, loving yourself, honoring yourself, nurturing yourself, that is, that is step one. <laughs> that is step one. And that in itself could be a lot for people. And I know that because I've been there. It took a lot for me to make this a practice and to make this a part of my routine, to be mindful of my inner dialogue and to say, hey, you know what? That's not nice. If you wouldn't say that to a child, don't say it about yourself. Okay. That's a rule that I say to clients also. (laughs) Um, Not only when you are creating, but even just about yourself in general, if you would not say that to a child, why are you saying it to yourself? Because your soul is listening. Your inner child is listening. So be mindful of your inner dialogue. Be mindful of what you're feeding yourself. Not just food. The people who you surround yourself with. What you listen to. What you watch. How did, you know, um, places, places you go, um, how, how is that making you feel? Energy is, is important and, and you, you need to take care of your energy, right? Um, just like you need to take care of yourself, mind, body, and spirit. That's, that's a whole part of self-care and self-love. And you know what? The more you do that, 
the more you love yourself, the more you take care of yourself, the more you make time for yourself, the louder your soul's voice gets. I promise you. It's like punching that inner critic in the face. It's like, (laughs) it's like, it's lessening the power that the other inner voice has over you. When you prove that inner voice that, yes, I am worthy. Yes, I do deserve love. You know what I mean? So these, these are tools that I've developed and I've practiced and have, like, they've, they've worked for me. I am proof that all of this works because I've experienced it firsthand and I've helped many, 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 many clients the same way with the inner child work, with the the mindfulness and reconnecting with your heart, reconnecting with your soul's voice, being just aware allowing yourself to feel what needs to be felt and acknowledge what needs to be acknowledged. All of this is the key to freeing yourself from the things within you that are haunting you. Okay. So I know that this isn't um, that fun of an episode. Nothing about this is fun. Um, This was one of the hardest things that I have had to do. And not that I had to do it, but I definitely felt a strong pull to do it. And I I had um, the Akashic Records giving me their blessing also that, yes, this is what's needed right now. This is how you can help others right now. And whenever I ask spirit, or, you know, the Akashic Records, how may I serve? And they give me an answer. Well, I do that because that is what I'm here for. I am here to serve others. And if that means I need to uh, become a sobbing, blubbering mess (laughs) on my podcast on episode four, (laughs) then I guess I'm doing it. Um. Yeah, definitely not easy, but I'm grateful. You know, I am I'm grateful for my resiliency and I'm grateful for the strength that I've developed over the years. And not only is this episode for you guys, but I know that this episode is for 16-year-old me. And I'm going to start crying again. <laughs> Because I never gave her um, I, I've never taken a moment to tell her how proud I am of her and how strong she was. She had to be strong and she had to do what she had to do to survive. And I understand that and I forgive her and I love her so much. And I'm so grateful that she never gave up because there were many opportunities for her to give up. And there were many times where her life could have been ended. And um, she chose every day to wake up and to keep going. 
And um, so for that, I am so grateful because um, not too long after, just before I turned 17, I met my husband. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, I met him and I instantly fell, (laughs) fell in love with him. And not too long after, I got pregnant with our daughter, Carly. And um, before I got pregnant, I didn't care about school. I didn't care about life. Um, And I was on track of basically going down a really bad path. And... When I found out I was pregnant, I knew that God had given me a gift, and it was the gift of life and unconditional love, and that kept me going, and that gave me the motivation I needed to get my life straightened out, and I started going to school every day, even with morning sickness, (laughs) I went to school and I was so supported by the staff at my high school. They fed me, they, um, they helped take care of me and I made it on the honor roll (laughs) because I just, I had a reason to live and, um, I really turned my life around and I'm so grateful that I was given her at the age that I had her because I know that without her, I would not be here today. I am so sorry if it is so hard for you to listen to this because I keep crying and I probably sound horrific. (laughs) Oh my God. But if you've made it this far, Give yourself a pat on the back. <laughs> also, if you've made it this far without crying, <laughs> you deserve a gold star. Um, anyways. Um, yeah, she basically saved me, and I'm, I'm really grateful for that. But, um, you know, it didn't mean that everything was going to be better after that. It meant, okay, now... I really need to work on myself because now I have a little girl looking up to me. And, um, yeah, so that was definitely motivation. But a lot of people just don't know that, that part of my story. So I just felt like I should, I should add that. I suppose that I eventually need to conclude this episode So even though I feel like I'm probably missing some things and, you know, I'll probably remember a few of those things later on, I feel like I'm just going to leave it be and trust that what came through was meant to come through and that this is what's going to help so many of you. So I'm just so grateful that um, you've made it this far 
and that you're listening (laughs) to this episode because I can imagine it wasn't an easy one to listen to. But I really appreciate all of the love and support coming from everyone. I I never thought that um, that would be possible for me, especially coming from a podcast. I didn't know that I I had things to share, but as it turns out, I do. And so my intention for this episode is just for it to inspire um, many of you, to motivate many of you, because this, you know, living living a soul-based life is possible for everyone. And you don't need to be a prisoner to that inner voice you know the one that that tells you lies and feeds you fear and keeps you trapped that um that doesn't have to be your life and that was my life for so long for <laughs> 97% of my life was like that and so I know just how valuable it is to no longer be in a space where that is my reality. And so that's my biggest wish for you all is to connect you all with your soul and your heart space and to help empower you and to inspire you to go within yourself and to know that that's, that's where it begins is with you and within yourself. and. Um, this, this was the, you know, the, the hardest, the hardest episode for sure for me to, to share with you all. I thought my first one was, but no, this one definitely has it beat. (laughs) I don't think I'll ever record another episode where I'm so vulnerable (laughs) and, and crying so much. Um, but I know that there's a purpose for it. And I know that this, um, this was important for me to share. So I did it and I feel so exhausted <laughs> from all of the energy I just moved, um, and from crying so much. So I'm going to leave it at that, but I wanted to just add quickly that if you know someone who could truly benefit from listening to this episode, please share it with them. If you enjoyed this episode, share it or, you know, find me on social media. I would love if you found me on Instagram or Facebook at Rise with Natasha and um, shared a comment or even messaged me to let me know how much this has helped you, anything. I would love to hear from you because this was so hard for me because this is because I'm being so vulnerable for you guys, um, it just helps me to know that I'm on the right track. Not that I should be relying on outside validation, of course, but um, 
I'm sure you can imagine just being in my position right now. <laughs> um, anyways, thank you all so much. I'm so grateful for you. And until next time, I will talk to you later. Bye.